Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor Contest line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, saying something vague by not saying it, and ask me questions if I was confusing. And I strongly encourage questions, feedback, comments, anything along those lines. Today I've been a bit busy in the writing. I submitted something for Bleed Cubby Blue. I posted something on my Patreon. I'm doing a... I posted a podcast and doing a podcast now. And in between this, that, and the other thing, I came up with an interesting idea which serves as a starting point for this podcast but doesn't exclusively serve as the reason that the podcast is being made. I had a thought overnight. A lot of people were saying, "Eh, the Cubs won all the trades, the Cubs won all the trades, the Cubs won all the trades because the team's that have been eliminated have largely been teams that traded for Cubs players. Now, I'm not going to say that the Giants lost the trade because Chris Bryant is not reaching the National League Championship Series. Some people may wish to say that, but I'm certainly not going to say it. I will say that the Cubs got what they wanted in the trade. The Cubs got what they wanted in the trade with the A's. The Cubs got what they wanted with the trades with the White Sox. Across the board, everything that the Cubs got, the players had, have or had um, generally met or exceeded expectations. And that's where the podcast really began. The the, The podcast really begins among my first tweets this morning was, of the players the Cubs received in July, of the players the Cubs received in trade in July, which of them have failed to meet or exceed expectations? (coughs) When a player comes into an organization for whatever reason, either by waivers or as a draft pick or as a trade piece or as a whatever, you should probably have some sort of an idea of this is kind of what I expect from them. It's not going to be you're going to go down all guns ablazing if the player doesn't meet those needs. But you should probably have an expectation. Oh, Cubs bring in Daniel Palencia, do a little bit of research. Oh, okay, I have uh, this kind of what I expect from him. Whatever that is. If you are familiar with coming players coming into an organization, then you should probably have some sort of an expectation for what they were going to do. Cubs draft Casey Opitz. Oh, okay. Drafted a guy, college veteran catcher. Uh, been calling games since high school, switch hitter since he was 12. Okay, I have these sort of expectations. Whatever they were, you have them in your mind and 
as the weeks and months and years go by, perhaps certain player reaches the expectations. Some players might exceed the expectations and some players will fail to reach those expectations. It happens. You get a basket of 15 guys, three or four might exceed, eight or nine might reach, and the others might fail to reach. You know, it's not a, oh my goodness, this is, this is horrible. Some guys will do better than you expected. Some guys will do worse than you expected. It's how stuff goes. For instance, let's roll it back to the U Darvish trade. U Darvish trade. Cubs received five players. Zach Davies, for me, he didn't meet his expectations. He's gone. It's over. C'est la vie. Move on. Jason Santana. So far, he has not met his expectations that I had had of him. Uh, Ismael Mena has not met his expectations. I think with Reggie Preciado, he probably has met his expectations. The expectations were rather lofty. With Owen Casey, I think he has exceeded expectations. And he is the furthest advanced of the prospects so far, which is a bit of a surprise. So what you do is you come up with a, here is the level of what I expect the player to reach. Have they reached it? Have they exceeded it? Have, you know, each of them, take your time, assess it. There's no rush. But assess, has this player reached or um, exceeded? Or not reached. Now, with the players the Cubs received in July, Pete Crow Armstrong and Nick Madrigal have not played. I did see pictures of Pete Crow Armstrong at a practice, so it does sound like he is probably about ready to start doing some baseball things, whether that involves hitting or not, I'm not sure. Whether that involves catching balls, I'm not sure. But he's actually out on the field, so that is a step in the right direction. Um, it's hard for a player who hasn't played a game to meet expectations. So I would say Nick Madrigal and Pete Crow Armstrong have failed to meet expectations as of yet because they haven't played a game. Now, I didn't expect them to play a game, but I expect, I expect them to do something before their Cubs career is over. So as of right now, it's perfectly legitimate for me to say Pete Crow Armstrong and Nick Madrigal have yet to meet their expectations, even though I wasn't expecting them to play. I would expect Nick Madrigal to have at least, oh, four or five hits with the Cubs, with the Chicago Cubs. He hasn't had four or five hits yet. He hasn't met it yet. There you go. So, my, my, tweet, my first tweet along this mindset was, who of the July acquisitions has failed to meet their expectations. And I said, Pete Crow Armstrong for me, and I didn't think there was anyone else, but I opened it up. And someone said for them, and in large part because they're on the 40-man roster, which I completely understand, uh, Greg Dykeman and 
Alexander Canario. Okay, fine. No worries with that. The reasons given arguably were problematic because they're 26 and 24 years old. I'm getting to a point where I'm really getting kind of annoyed by people using ageism as a crucible, as a litmus test for whether a prospect is... I'll let you insert the word, whatever the word ought to be. People develop on their own timeline. Athletes develop on their own timeline. Authors develop on their own timeline. Musicians develop on their own timeline. Um, timeline. Would it be better if all of the prospects that the Cubs were calling up from the minor leagues were 22, 23, 24 years old and were all set to dominate the major league level immediately upon... Yeah, of course that would be better. Of course that would be better. That isn't going to happen. If your expectation is that everyone is going to come through in the 97, 98, 99th percentile, you're going to be sadly disappointed because outliers are outliers for a reason. Things that don't usually happen don't usually happen. Now, I don't know what someone's expectations are for Alexander Canario or Greg Degman. I don't know what someone's expectations are for the Cubs' seventh pick in the draft in June or July or whenever they decide to have the draft. If you're going to play the expectations game properly, I'm going to say that again, if you're going to play the expectation game properly, whether the Cubs draft a player or not should have very little to do with your expectations on how well they'll do. Let's, let's, say, let's say there's four international players, four international players, and all of them are highly rated, or at least somewhat highly rated. And there's a question. There's a question. Which of these teams is which which of these players are going to sign with which of these teams? Now that's not usually how it works. Usually you end up hearing an international player linked to a team as soon as you hear the international player's name mentioned. Cristiano Hernandez has a brother. Oh, okay, cool. He's going to sign with the Cubs. Oh, great, 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 great. I love this guy. Okay, so let's say, let's say you have four prospects left. One of them is going to sign with the Cubs. One of them is going to sign with the Mets. One of them is going to sign with the Giants. One of them is going to sign with the Royals. Now, you do all the research 
because you want to know which one you want to sign with the Cubs. You do all the research, all the research, all the research. And it turns out the Cubs end up getting your third or fourth favorite out of the players. Okay. The players that you did the research on, and the guy that you thought, wow, I want the Cubs to get this guy. He was number one on your list. Because he went to another team, possibly a team that you don't like, does that mean you should get rid of your expectations of what he's going to do? No, that's information. That's information. Now, you're probably not going to be following him day to day. But it's perfectly legitimate to say, oh yeah, there are those four guys and the Cubs were going to get one of them and the Cubs got one of them and I did the research on all four of them. And there's that one guy who I liked a whole lot better than the Cubs guy got, the guy the Cubs got. Who knows? Maybe the Cubs will eventually trade for that guy on down the line. But hey, when he gets to the major leagues, if he gets to the major leagues, I remember, hey, remember back when there was that thing and the discussion and the four teams and the Cubs and he didn't go. Well, I remember if you're doing research on a player, if you're having hunches on a player, if you are looking into a player, hold on to that information as best as you can. Just because a player signs with the Cubs doesn't mean you should have higher expectations for that player. It really doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. When people say, well, I don't really like this prospect because he's 26. I'm doing a uh, ha- having a an article on Bleed Cubby Blue either today or tomorrow talking about Tommy Nance, and Tommy Nance uh, embodies this entire premise rather well. Relief pitcher, I think, is a starter in college. He had a lot of arm troubles. Missed time with Tommy John surgery in college and missed time with Tommy John surgery as a professional. Two entirely different times. He missed large amounts of time because of injuries. So guess what? When he got to the major leagues, he wasn't 23 years old. He didn't get out of college until he was 23 years old. And people still have this thing in their mind. I don't like this prospect guy because he's 28 years old or 29 years old. Why the hell not? If you want to get angry at a player because, oh, he is prone to being a drunk driver. That seems a perfectly, no, I don't really like this prospect. He's been busted for drunk driving three times. Fine, I'm good with that. I don't like this guy. I don't like this prospect because he's had four different girlfriends in the last year and a half. He's fathered children with three of them, and he's hit all four of the ladies. That seems like a perfectly good reason to not like a guy. Totally good with that. Perfectly fine. He's 28 years old. The hell kind of reason is that for not liking a guy? I don't like this guy because he's 28 years old. I don't like this guy because he's from Philadelphia. What the hell does that difference make? 
if a player is trying to get better, if a player reaches double A level and he's doing well enough to have your team say, you know what, let's promote him to triple A. Why would you not say, hmm, well, that's kind of cool. He got promoted from double A to triple A because he's doing well. That to me seems like good thing. Gets promoted from AAA to the major leagues. That seems good thing. Starts off doing well at the major leagues. That seems good thing. Why people have to throw in, oh, but he's 28 years old or he's 29 years old. It's not just Tommy Nance that's done with. There's a whole lot of people out there who really don't want Frank Schwindel on the Cubs next year. But they're not going to say it. They won't say the words, I do not want Frank Schwindel on the Cubs. Why do you not want Frank Schwindel on the Cubs? It's obvious from your comments that you don't want Frank Schwindel on the Cubs. I didn't say I don't want Frank Schwindel on the Cubs. Well, it's obvious from your comments you don't want him on the Cubs. Why is it that you don't want him on the Cubs? And they say something vague. If you want to say something, say it. If you want to say, I don't want Frank Schwindel on the Cubs because I want the Cubs to spend a whole lot more money than they're spending on Frank Schwindel, and I want them to bring back Anthony Rizzo and pay Anthony Rizzo a league-accepted rate, say that. See how that works? Say that. Now, there's no secret. Why don't you like Tommy Nance because he's 28 or 29 or 20? How the heck old is he? I can look that up. Tommy Nance. Uh, Oddly, I'm on Modrabowski's page. Tommy Nance. Let's see. How the heck old is is he? Tommy Nance. He is 30 years and 59 days old. May 17th. No. That was what his debut was. Age now, 30 uh, 30 years old, uh, 210 days. So he turns 31 on March 19th. Tommy Nance is not only going to be valuable for the Cubs if he is Rally Fingers 2.0. That's not the standard. If Tommy Nance makes the Cubs next season and is reasonably adequate, fills a need, has an ERA somewhere below the accepted level, seems fine. Why wouldn't that be acceptable? I just don't get the entire I don't like this prospect guy because he's 30 years old or he's 29 years old or he's 28 years old. I don't get it. I don't get it. Some people like baseball the way it used to be, where games were played in two hours and 37 minutes and hitters weren't trying to draw walks all the time. And I understand that. I get that. 
Back then, RBIs and pitcher wins were important, and people who could understand batting averages and pitcher wins and RBIs, they were ahead of the game. I understand that. I get that. I'm good with that. I might not necessarily agree with it. But the people who have become... I'm going to throw something else in there. People who are heavily reliant on statistics. I'm good with them as well. The person who understands the um oh the relationship between how how much the vertical angle of a fastball either rises or sinks as compared to what it was expected to. It's real techy geeky stuff. I don't mind those people either. If you are completely honest about, I wish pitcher wins mattered. I'm good with that. If you're very good with the technological thing and you realize there's a whole lot of stuff you don't know, there's a whole lot of stuff that's out there that is still up for grabs, that still hasn't been entirely figured out, I'm generally good with those people. The people who think that their Excel spreadsheet knowledge makes them well ahead of anyone else because, after all, their Excel spreadsheet baseball knowledge makes them a genius. Those are the people I have a hard time with. Those are the people I have a hard time with. If you're being honest about what you're being honest about, I'm fine with it. In my other sidelight, in my other rabbit holes. Hey, if you're going to say musically, I think Toto is the greatest band of all time, and here's my reasoning behind it. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I might disagree, but I'm good with it because you're explaining why. But when you're using, oh, what's the word I want to use? Uh, uh, shoot, I'm not even going to remember the word right now. Um, like epithets. I don't like this. This prospect is 28 years old. This prospect is 24. Like that actually means anything. If you're expecting every single Chicago Cubs prospect to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, you are going to be sadly mistaken many times. Have an expectation of how well you think a player is going to do. How effective is this player going to be? For instance, let's say, let's say Tommy Nance has an okay 2022. An okay 2022. Let's say ERA of 3.21. Whatever side peripherals you want to put on that. Hits, innings, pitch, walk, strikeouts, barrels, percentage, whatever it is you want to put. Okay, he does okay. And come July, the Cubs are in a little tiny bit of a roster crunch. And Tommy Nance 
becomes a trade consideration. The Cubs end up trading Tommy Nance to another team for another player. Notice, I'm not saying anything about who the player is. Veteran, rookie, teenager, 13-year-old. I'm not saying anything. Tommy Nance does fairly well in 2022. And in July, hypothetically, he gets traded for someone. Reasonable. Did Tommy Nance do his job as a Cub? Did Tommy Nance do his job as a Cub? It doesn't boil down to he's 30 years old. Or it doesn't boil down to he's from Santa Clara, California, so how can you trust him? He pitched. He developed. He got better. He got to the major leagues. And, at least for a while, he pitched reasonably well in the major leagues. What's to bitch about? When you're rooting for players in an organization's pipeline, you should hope that they get better. Um, Hope that at some point they reach Major League Baseball. And Hopefully, at the major league level, they have at least that one, the one or two games where people say, wow, this guy, he actually has something. Now, after that, things might happen. You know, the league might catch up to him. He might get injured, da-da-da, whatever. That's what you should be hoping for, especially if it's an undrafted free agent. I really don't grasp the concept of... I don't like, I don't respect, I don't trust, I'm underselling this player because he is, insert number, this many years old. I don't get that. I don't fathom that. Perhaps you do. Perhaps some of you can explain it to me. If you're going to try to say something, if you're going to try to say something about a specific player, about a specific, heck, last night, last night. (sighs) Off topic, but possibly as on point as anything. Last night was game five between the Dodgers and the Giants. The Dodgers and the Giants, game five, game five. And a couple hours before the game, the Dodgers announced they were going to go with an opener. Former Brewer Corey Kniebel. 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 Um, There were quite a few people on Twitter. On the Twitterverse, this is a stupid idea. How can they do this? This is horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple people were saying, hmm, interesting idea. Nice, curious gamble. I kind of like the idea because the Giants have a tendency to go lefty-righty a lot. And if you're starting pitcher or your pitcher who's going to do a bunch of the pitching is a left-hander guy and you put out an opener who's a right-hander guy, it might encourage the Giants to use a left-hander toward the top of the order 
And when you bring in the left-handed reliever, who should have been the starter, then somebody gets subtracted out of the game rather early. So it didn't boil down to, was this a brilliant decision or was this a stupid decision? It was a decision. It's kind of like, I don't know if you follow soccer. I'm not much of a soccer fan. But, you know, you have the 11 people on the, on the pitch. You have the goalie in the back. And you have a couple of defensive players. And you have a couple of midfielders. And you have a couple of players that go up front. And sometimes a team will decide to send a midfielder up front. So instead of having three and four, they have uh, three at the top and four in the midfield. They have three in the midfield and four up top. Which, you know, brings about different strategies. Now, it doesn't mean that going three and four instead of four and three is a good idea or a bad idea. It is a tactical decision. It's a tactical decision. Maybe it will work. Maybe it will not work. And that's the way I looked at the Corey Knebel thing. If Corey Knebel pitches well, if he gets through his inning and doesn't get crunched, then it might be a good thing. But if he does get crunched, then it'll probably be a bad thing, which is basically saying, I have no idea if it's going to be a good idea or not, which is exactly the stance that I took. I lean toward it, but I also acknowledge, yeah, Knebel could get hit for a run. It could be costly. It could cost him the game. But a whole bunch of the Twitterverse was, this is stupid. This is horrible. This is terrible. This is the worst thing. Guess what? Knebel, Knebel didn't give up a run. The Dodgers ended up winning the game. All those people who said, this is a stupid idea. They were saying something without saying anything. And when they were shown to be wrong, not they weren't wrong because the Dodgers won. They were wrong because they said it was a horrible decision. And they didn't say why it was a horrible decision. If you're going to say it's a horrible decision, walk us through why it's a horrible decision. Take six screens on your Twitter. Walk us through so that anyone who logically follows... Oh, I see what you're talking about. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that does kind of make sense. It was a decision. It was a tactical decision. It was a tactical move. They sent out Knievel thinking he probably won't give up a run the first thing, and he didn't. It didn't hurt them at all. And it got Tommy LaStella out of the game for the last seven innings. Would that have mattered? I don't know. But certainly... The decision wasn't costly. If you are going to make a stance, if you're going to make a stance, for instance, the Cubs should not draft a pitcher in the first round. That's a perfectly realistic stance. If you back it up with reasons. If you're just saying the Cubs shouldn't um, draft a pitcher in the first round because my favorite number is 17. That makes no sense. That, that, that's completely uh, illogical. It's um, oh, what, what is it? Uh, it's non sequitur. If you have a stance, if you have a belief, if there is something that you strongly believe, explain why you believe it. Explain the logic behind it. Explain why it works. 
when you're going to say something vague by not saying it. It's frustrating. Well, this guy, he's from the Ohio Valley Conference. So is that condemnation? Are you going to say that everybody from the Ohio Valley Conference is bad? No, I didn't say that. No, you didn't say a damn thing. And what you didn't say spoke volumes. When people don't say what they mean, there's really not a whole lot of reason to pay attention to what they do say when they do mean it. And if you do that too often, even if you are someone who is respected, that respect can possibly go away. If I ever start just tossing off things without explaining it, without walking it through, without walking you through it like you're five years old, tell me to walk me through it. Tell, tell me to walk you through it. Because um, sometimes I might say things that I think everyone already understands the 17 steps that come after. But so often people will be dismissive of a prospect because he's 27 years old or he's 25. He's in rookie ball and he's still 23 years old. How dare he? Things happen. Stuff happens. And if you think you have it all figured out, I know I don't. I'm still doing the podcast. I'm trying to figure stuff out you think you have it all figured out, you're probably not worth it. Thanks for stopping by, Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll have another podcast up soon. As circumstances warrant, I'll attempt to have that worth your while as well. Be safe, go Cubs go, and be nice to people.